This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome back to Get Started Investing, where this summer we're taking a journey to financial freedom, proudly supported by Comsec, the home of investing. Over six episodes, we'll be talking about the practical steps you can take today to set yourself up for the ultimate goal, FIRE, financial independence, retiring early. So if you're enjoying a summer break or dreading heading back to work, join us as we take the steps today to ensure we can build the life we want in the future. My name is Bryce and as always, I am joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? Bryce, I'm very good. Very excited for this episode. This is episode four and we are meeting our neighbors, the millionaire next door. (laughs) Yeah, love this. It's uh, a famous book. It's actually probably not as famous as it should be. To be honest, before this episode, I didn't know about it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd never heard of it. Okay. But, um, it's definitely on my summer reading list. Yeah, published in 1996, uh, a study of the, I guess, uh, a survey of sort of 300 or just shy, 292 millionaires and um, what their habits were, how they built their wealth, how they grow and protect their wealth, how they think about money, I think mm. is an important one. And I think there's some really applicable lessons in there for all of us got a cracking episode coming up having the right support on your journey is important which is why we're proud to partner with comsec for this series if you're looking for more info beyond this podcast comsec has a wealth of content available to get you going from stories of other young investors to sectors in the spotlight there's free support and information to build your confidence and make the right money moves visit comsec.com.au for more now while we are licensed we're not aware of your personal financial circumstances any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only any advice is general all right ren well with that said what are we going to be unpacking in this episode in our fourth episode bryce we're going to meet the millionaire next door yes (laughs) (laughs) but that's the enthusiasm we want by the end of this episode we will know what we're talking about with the millionaire next door we'll understand the good habits that build long-term wealth and we'll start building those habits into our own life. How good. It's a pretty good Can't, combination. Cannot wait for that. But look, we're not on this journey alone. There are thousands of people listening to Get Started Investing and taking similar steps to us. Hey, equity mates. Uh, for me, some habits I've noticed of wealthy people or kind of what wealth looks like to me is being able to go to the supermarket and just buy whatever I want, whatever brand I want, the most expensive brand, and not having to think to myself, is that the best bang for buck? Just being able to buy the feta that I want. And I mean, I've seen wealthy people do that too. So that's the dream. 
hey, equity mates. Wealth to me would mean just not having to worry. Like I don't have aspirations to be super wealthy. I don't have aspirations to, you know, own a yacht or, or anything like that. But just to, to have enough that I don't have to worry, that I can, I can do the things that I want to do uh, and not have to be, you know, overly concerned about it. I think I have pretty simple tastes on the whole. So I'm not, you know, if I had a real passion for like Versace handbags or something like that, maybe my life would require some different priorities. But uh, yeah, that's just where I'm at with that. All right, Bryce. So when we're talking about building these good money habits and meeting the millionaire next door, we really need to start with the book that started it all. The Millionaire Next Door by Thomas J. Stanley. And I think also William Danko. I don't know if William Danko is an author or just part of the study. But anyway. These two people did a study of 292 millionaires and they looked for common traits, common habits and also some things that are perhaps were seen as important that weren't so important for this group. Mm. So published in 1996, the book discusses millionaires that aren't the flashy status symbol type of rich. They're the people that are the unassuming next-door neighbor that are wealthy and somewhat self-made, but you wouldn't know it. Yeah, I think I think the central premise of the book and the point it's trying to make is that people who actually become millionaires aren't the people with the, the fancy Rolex car and, and the Rolex yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. The majority of millionaires are regular people who are really good accumulators of wealth mm. uh, that they then... Uh, I guess, uh, invest sensibly and let it compound over time. Mm. Mm. Um, and there's a few different threads that we're going to pull on there. But I think to talk about the book, they really classify people into three broad groups. Uh, under-accumulators of wealth, yeah. average accumulators of wealth and prodigious accumulators of wealth or pause. That's me. You are? <laughs> I don't know. What's the uh, what percentage of your income are you saving? Pre-mortgage, just over 50%. What? Yeah. Actually? Yeah. Must be nice. Yeah. But post-mortgage, I could, I could pull up the figures now. You were saving 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Well, does that include investing and all that sort yeah, of yeah, stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. 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 It, it, Building wealth. Yeah. 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 Anything that's not being spent. Yeah. 50%. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it's slightly like, yeah, well, Harriet and I both share like, it, I think it's easier with a partner. I don't know, but like. Harriet pays for you. <laughs> yeah, I was saving 100% <laughs> of my income. <laughs> well, okay. Well, good on you because I think that's a, that's a key premise of this book is whether or not someone becomes a millionaire is less about their salary and more about how much their saving of mm. their salary, if that makes sense. It's mm. like the habits that they're displaying. Mm. Like there is obviously an element of it's easier to reach that millionaire level the higher your income. And I, I don't think they shy away from that. But I think the point that they try and make in this book over and over again is there's a heap of people who are earning a lot of money who don't become millionaires because they're under accumulators of wealth because they've got shit money habits. And I think there's things that we can try and do to improve our salary and, and we'll actually talk about some of them. But I think the the starting point is building the good money habits, being frugal and being disciplined is what's going to hold you in good stead and make you that millionaire next door. I have a story that I 
hold close to my <laughs> okay so no. uh, podcasting lesson you don't have to announce that you have a story you can just tell us the story yeah so I, I have a story that dad told me many years ago when he dabbled in financial planning can you do it in your dad's voice <laughs> this is my dad's voice <laughs> and it's one that I've often I often remind myself of or sort of reflect on he had a guy, and I think I've spoken about it on the show, he had a guy come into the office to talk to him about retirement. He was a bus driver, very unassuming. Hey, Tim, I need, I need some help just planning out where to from here. And dad sort of thought, okay, you know, I wonder what this guy's going to have in terms of assets. You're a bus driver, you know, um, relying on super, those sorts of things opens up the portfolio and this bus driver had been a prodigious accumulator of wealth over his 40 years as a bus driver every week month whatever it was he was just putting money into well diversified listed investment companies at the time and he had millions in his share portfolio because of the consistent nature of his, of his investing. He didn't have a massive salary. He didn't have the flashy cars, but he had just dedicated a life to consistently putting money into the market and I guess uh, 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 spending less than he earned so that he could do that. So just goes to show that uh, anyone can really do it. Yeah. I don't want to one-up your story, but in, Go for it. Uh, in our latest book, Don't Stress, Just Invest, available wherever good books are sold, the perfect way to start off in mm -hmm. 2024, we wrote about Ronald Reed, who's the, um, he's, he was based over in the States. He uh, worked as a gas station attendant for 25 years, so like at a servo, and then worked as a part-time janitor at JCPenney, a big department store for 17 years. So th those were his two jobs. He then retired in 1997. When he died in 2014, everyone was shocked because Ronald Reed was leaving millions of dollars to, you know, he left 1.2 million to the local library. He left 4.8 million to the local hospital. And everyone was like, how has this guy got all this money? And all he did, he, uh, when they looked into it, he had more than $8 million. And all he'd been doing throughout his whole life had been investing in dividend paying stocks and reinvesting that money into the stocks. And it was just big blue chip companies, well-known. It was companies like GE and stuff at the time. And he built a fortune of $8 million. Amazing. And like that is a, the quintessential prodigious accumulator. Of absolutely, wealth. absolutely. Well, I hope it's giving everyone listening encouragement that, as we spoke about in last episode, baby steps. This is this is the living example of how baby steps can lead to you literally investing your way to a million dollars. I think the one thing to just really be clear about here, because you can like it can feel a bit disheartening, especially you know we spoke about the cost of living crisis mm -hmm. and trying to take those baby steps at a time like this, um, is the. The secret ingredient here is time and uh, many of the millionaires profiled in this book were in their 50s and 60s. The average age was 57. So, if you think about who these people are, these are people that started, you know, doing their prodigious accumulations of wealth. They started have, displaying those good money habits in their 20s when they started working and they reached millionaire status in their late 50s. So, that's, you know... 30 plus years already 
And so just when you're thinking about your financial journey, like that's the time frame that we're thinking in and that you should be thinking in as well. As much as we would love to be millionaires in our 30s, it's, it's less realistic. And so I think just that's what we're talking about here. That's why baby steps are all you need to start with because you do have time on your side, mm. but you've got to get started. Get started. Now, so in the, the book then goes on to actually illustrate some of the common habits that uh, the authors saw time and time again from the prodigious accumulators of wealth. And I think this is the important part because a lot of them we can actually put into our own lives. So let's start with what some of those common habits were. Firstly, living below their means. Yep. Spend less, save more. Very simple. Yeah. Number two, preferring financial independence over social status. Yeah. I.e. not using flashy things as a show of wealth. As they title chapter four of their book, you aren't what you drive. Nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like don't, don't you- buy the flashy car, drive the secondhand reliable car that won't break down, that will, but won't cost you an arm and a leg. And invest that money. Invest it. So number three, investing a high portion of their income and avoiding debt. Nice. You can't grow wealth without investing. Number five, they were all educating themselves or doing some form of consistent self-improvement, which we've also spoken about. Yeah, I think it correlates like having a growth mindset when it comes to building wealth and having a growth mindset when it comes to other aspects of your life. Like I I can learn this. I, I do want to you know, improve these skills. Like I think those two things would correlate pretty closely. Mm. And the fact that whoever, you know, if you're listening to this, you have that growth mindset. Mm, Like you're building the skill of investing. We're all on this journey on our way to financial independence together to close out the, some of the habits. And this one I thought was interesting, but you can understand why they were not receiving economic care from their parents i.e. they weren't reliant on other people to sustain themselves. They built a solid financial foundation that was, they didn't need to rely on anyone. Yeah, which is counterintuitive in a way, because if I was to ask you, do you think more millionaires would have help from their parents or not have help from their parents? The obvious answer is those that have help from their parents, because they get a head start. And there is obviously a subset of millionaires that are that. But the vast majority of millionaires, at least that they spoke to in the book, were people that had built wealth over time and got there themselves. Yeah, self-made. And though having the right habits will hold you in good stead and keep you growing your wealth. Whereas if you have shitty habits and you don't understand what's going on with your money, you're not planning, uh, you might have a head start, but you can very quickly lose that. Or you can very quickly just plateau and just stay where you are. Yeah. So I think the lesson that sort of comes out over and over again in this book is the right habits um, and the right mindset can over time overcome other people's head starts. 100%. Yeah. You could be given all the money in the world, but if you have bad financial habits, it, it would, it's dust. All the money in the world, you'd probably be You know what I mean. (laughs) Anyway, and finally, Ren, many of the millionaires interviewed in the book spend a lot of time planning their financial future. And we speak about the importance of having a goal and something to work towards so that you're putting the right strategies and habits in place to get there and you're not floundering around. And that goal could just be to consistently put money in the market over time. Yeah. That's all. But um, So, 192 of the 292 millionaires profiled 
spent time planning their financial future. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So those are some of the common money habits. Do any of those resonate with you, Ren? I, I think a, a lot of them are somewhat self-evident, like spending less, saving more, not just saving it, but investing it. Mm. I think the idea of spending a lot of time planning your financial future is probably not something I do a lot of. I sort of have a plan about how I'm going to invest today. And I think if I make the right decisions today, the future will take care of itself. So I don't know if that counts as planning, but maybe I should do more planning, do more visualization of like where I want to be and what I want to have. But yeah, for me, it's just like, I just want the flexibility. So I don't know how you visualize flexibility. Just an eternity ring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mate, you're on fire today. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I agree. There's nothing really surprising in there. For me though, the biggest takeaway, I think about people that are really good on the saving side, but then you don't get to this financial independence wealth part if you're not actually investing yeah you've got to be putting that money to work in assets and and i think you can't shut you can't shy away for that i know it feels safe to save and put money in your bank account and leave it there but that is not going to get you to the millionaire next door so it's really getting into the habit of actually putting money into into to to work Yeah, so that I think is a good segue into how do we put the money to work? And if we again go back to the book and ask what were the majority of millionaires in the book that were profiled, why were they putting their money to work? There were sort of three key buckets. The first bucket was themselves Mm. and their own businesses. Mm. So of the non-retired millionaires interviewed in the book, two-thirds of them were small business owners. And I think it's important to stress that these aren't like the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies or, you know, the owners of like big uh, American scale or multinational businesses. They're small business owners. Um, And so I think there's a couple of things to learn from that. One one point that I've read is that oftentimes small business owners will well, number one, be forced into having good money habits because money is just tight. Mm. Like there are, there are lean periods and often it's always lean. Uh, and so you're just forced into being disciplined and being frugal and, and all of that. But the other thing is small business owners are often earning more early and then compared to like highly qualified professionals who often have really lean early years and because they're studying. And then they, they have higher earning potential later. But again, it's that power of starting early. The, the business owners can start investing and putting money away early when the, the professionals can't. Mm. And then it's really hard to catch up even mm. if you're earning more later. Mm. Yeah. To put a caveat to that though, what if people are sitting there going, great, well, if two thirds are business owner, I'm, I'm, not, I'm never a business owner. This, this, dream is, this dream is over. Well, I mean... There's plenty of non-business owner millionaires, millionaires next door. Yeah. Yes. There, or there's plenty of non-business owners that have achieved financial independence. Yeah. And I think the fact that you're not a business owner doesn't stop you from building the right money habits, saving more than you're earning and investing that money. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. So two thirds were business owners investing in themselves. No surprises that the other two common assets that they're looking at and investing in are real estate and stocks. And the book sort of quotes that they focus on long-term growth and avoid chasing short-term trends. Yeah. I think that is crucial. And everything that we've discussed in this series so far and on this show is about the power of well-diversified, low-cost, anti-trend investments. Yeah. And proof is in the pudding that by following that strategy over a long period of time, you can invest your way to a million bucks. Now, before we chat about how we can build these habits into our lives, a big thank you goes to Comsec, the home of investing, where they give you knowledge at your fingertips. Their educational content helps break down the things that can impact your money and investments. Get $0 brokerage on your first 10 trades for Australian markets when you sign up. Visit comsec.com.au. Comsec, T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. 
but I think discipline and a budget and a, a realistic budget, I think, to start things off is where you can really get going with this because it's easy for people to make budgets, I, I, I believe, that are very high level. Yeah. Oh, I think this, I think that this feels right. Do some due diligence on your spending habits for the last month or so, even more, and actually realize what you're spending. Let me flick it around because I agree with you. I also think it's very easy to do a false level of specificity where you're like, I'm going to budget $38 for groceries for this week. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you're never going to stick to that. So, well, you're, you're looking like uh, you're probably the kind of person that would stick to that. Well, it, I mean, it's it's got a it's it's got enough you, fat that. Here, let me ask you. Let me ask this as a question. Do you make Harriet put stuff back from the no, shopping no, basket no, because no. you're over your budget? No, 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 no. What I mean is, have we, you ever done that? No. <laughs> no. Or do you make her get a cheaper version of an item? No. <laughs> no we don't go in and like count uh, and and add up our, our shopping as we go because we know that we've budgeted for what we what we want to buy but how did okay yeah. we know that over an x period of time we're generally we're like we're spending x amount of money and so we've budgeted for that yeah yeah does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I, I just feel sorry for <laughs> She loves it. I, I approach it another way that, you know, for me, the sticking to a, a certain line item for each thing is probably not how I think and how I approach money. For me, the best way to approach it is to set up a system where it's really easy to make the right decisions and you don't have to think a lot because like the system is set up to guide you in the right direction. And so for me, the way that that works is when I get paid, the money, there's automatic transfers from my bank account that I get paid to all the relevant bank accounts, my brokerage account, my savings account, and then a spending account. And that spending account, all the, the only thing I have to think about to make sure that I'm sticking to my, fi like achieving my financial goals is spending less than's in my saving no, in my spending account that fortnight before I get paid again. And so for some people who may not want to do what Bryce is doing, I think building the habits is like for me is building the system and for me that system is just like what's the one thing I need to think about to know that I'm achieving and that's all I have to think about. And so yeah, that's that's what I do. Nice. So the second habit they had was just not being showy about your wealth. And I think that kind of falls into the first, like at this, yeah, if you want to be showy with your wealth, you're probably going to end up spending a load of what yeah, you've saved. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such a personality <laughs> like, trait and I consider myself quite lucky. I am certainly not in that mm. camp, like don't really buy clothes. Don't. I remember there was a time at university where you barely bought a pair of shoes. Yeah. You had a hole in the bottom and couldn't go outside when it rained. Shout out to... Shout <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the millionaire next door. Shout out to Kip, our housemate, who gave me an old pair of his shoes. Yeah. Uh, honestly, one of the things that I cringe most at in my life is when I started at Coles, I still had that mindset and I was walking around with some very ripped suit shoes yes, early days. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think my uh, my work must have. Who is this yeah. guy? 
Anyway, um, but like the the opposite of this, I was scrolling boss hunting recently because I was wondering like what's ever happened to boss hunting? It's still going. Like they were massive. Yeah. Um, if you're unaware, it's a men's lifestyle Instagram and, and media company. Yeah, massive when we were at uni. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. the coolest thing on Facebook. And yeah. I was like, what's going on with them these days? Anyway, they're still doing their thing. Yeah. A lot of luxury stuff. Big time. And I, there was this video on... Um, the, the luxury watches coming out by like Tissot or one of the watchmakers and they were talking about like the different motifs on the watch face and stuff like that and I was just like I do Who not cares? care yeah. but some people love it yeah. Yeah. and I was just thinking like thank God I don't love it because like if you cared about this stuff or like cars is another one like I just don't care as much about cars as some people and it's like some of those things can just become money sinks and so i think for me like temperamentally and interest wise i consider myself lucky that i'm don't have a lot of high cost hobbies i'm not as into golf as you well that's not true well i haven't spent as much money on golf clubs as you (laughs) (laughs) i haven't spent a lot either i I think we should preface though that if like there's a difference between liking a watch and buying it for like a i love a watch and having a flashy lifestyle to try and show people that you're rich true true i'm just saying that i'm lucky that i don't have either Yeah, yeah yeah so okay so if the first one is living below your means and then the second one is prioritizing financial independence over i guess like external displays of wealth they, they call it social status but i think you know being showy uh, is probably the, the way to phrase it then the third thing is taking that money that you're saving from not being showy and from spending less than you're earning and not just saving it but investing yes putting it to work it's the it's probably the most important habit once you've got the other two sorted out you've got to sweat your money and get it growing as early as possible we're going to sound like a broken record we've spoken about it in the last three episodes and the entire year i guarantee you we'll speak about it in the next two 100%. as well it's about getting your budget sorted then finding the platform that allows you to build wealth consistently in small amounts over a long period of time diversifying low cost and I then mean, waiting. And then waiting. I think that's the key here. And keeping in mind that the millionaire next, the average age of the millionaire next door was 57. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Let compounding do its thing. But don't wait to start. Yeah. And then finally, while you're waiting, while you've got all that time on your hands because you're not going watch or car shopping and you're not chasing investment fads, focus on education and self-improvement. Have a growth mindset in all aspects of your life. Because the best thing that you can do to maximize your chances of being a millionaire isn't finding the, the hot new investment opportunity and getting in early. It's number one, uh, earning more. And the best way you can earn more is by getting promoted at your job, learning new skills, starting a side hustle. So number one is earning more. And then number two is increasing your savings rate. Um, Morgan Housel, the author of The Psychology of Money, wrote about the, the biggest thing you can do to improve your financial situation is save more Mm. and what he means there and what i mean there is save more and then invest it save more and put it to work it's just like get into the market yeah and it's kind of boring it's kind of obvious but that's what we're trying to stress here that like the journey to financial independence doesn't have surprising twists and turns and difficult you know, overpasses that you have to pass or 
I'm really trying to torture this <laughs> yeah, journey <laughs> analogy, um, the journey metaphor. But the point is, it's it's pretty boring. It's pretty straightforward, but it requires a level of consistency and discipline that a lot of people don't want to commit to. As we close this episode out, we want to say a huge thank you to Comsec for supporting the series. Hopefully together we can show you a path to how you can tap into the world of investing to build wealth over the long term. Comsec provides all the support, information and resources you need to build your confidence and make the right money moves. Sign up today to get $0 brokerage on your first 10 trades for Australian markets and invest with as little as $50 through the ComBank app. Visit combank.com.au for more. Comsec T's and C's and other fees and charges apply. Now stick with us because next episode we unpack the fifth step in our journey, which is all about boosting your income with side hustles that have paid off big time. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have physicians in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 